This is the Line Waits Over Coffee Podcast, Episode 6. I was painting my van one day at the beach, and a guy walked by, saw that I had painted a nursery, a Numa nursery, on the van, and he said, hey, do you have a nursery? I said, well, you know, it's just an idea that I have. One day I would like to uh, start up a nursery. And he said, well, I have one. I'd like for you to come by and check it out. That's incredible. You know, the universe works in in mysterious ways. So for some reason, I said, you know, this is a sign. Let me go check this guy out. And before you know it, I left that first visit with a job. That's our guest, Kendrick Henry, on this episode of the Line Waits Over Coffee podcast. Hi, I'm Azhar, and on this episode, we're talking all about saving money and taking action. Basically, finding opportunities while we are in architecture school. So we always try to bring alumni on this show that can share their personal experiences and their struggles with you so that you can have a more productive time while you are in school. So we've done two so far. In episode two, we had O'Neill Howell, a young architect from New York City who now works in the gaming industry and talks about how he cut his studio time in half while he was a student. In episode four, we had another alumnus from New York, Jose Cruz, who shared his advice on the architecture career path with us and the prospects that are available to students in the construction management industry. This week, episode six, we have a Florida architect, a young alumnus and permaculture designer, Kendrick Henry, talking to us about how students can try and save money in school and also make some extra money on the side. Kendrick has a truly unique architecture school experience where he was able to save money with strategies such as reusing materials and subsidizing his rent, but also was able to earn money through selling potted plants and even having a vending machine business. So he's here to talk about tips on how to find opportunities in unexpected places and then, of course, to take action on those opportunities. All that and more coming up right after this. This show is brought to you by Budget Buoy. So guys, I'm terrible at budgeting and I've tried all kinds of budgeting apps before and Budget Buoy is the only one that has worked for me. So unlike other apps that track your transactions and show you your budgets as charts or other graphic data, Budget Buoy keeps it real simple and actually helps you change your spending habits by encouraging you to consider how you're faring every day. It changes your perspective on budgeting and allows you to take action on your finances. Now, the best part about this app is that you can share it with your friends, family, and classmates. And I think it's great for architecture students who not only have to track their everyday expenses, such as food and groceries, what I use it mostly for, but also for school supplies and studio projects so those expenses don't spiral out of control. It's available now on Apple and Android, and you can try it free for 30 days. That's Budget Buoy, keeping you financially afloat. Hi, everyone. If you like what you're listening to and want more content like this coming your way, remember that the best way to support this show is by getting an Adobe CC subscription through our website at lineweights.coffee. Now, as architecture students, we rely heavily on graphic presentation tools such as Photoshop, InDesign, and Illustrator. We wanted to make it really easy for you to learn these programs and have created a set of high-quality tutorials complete with all the example files for you to learn the fundamentals to creating excellent presentations. So we cover Adobe Illustrator that teaches you how to properly import and manipulate your 2D drawings. We're talking line weights, line types, hatches, finding those vector scalies and textures and so on. 
Then of course we go into Photoshop where you have your renderings, you're adjusting light, materials, scale figures, even how to link your 2D drawings from Illustrator right into Photoshop. And then of course we round that all off with Adobe InDesign, which is the best publishing software out there in order for you to actually make your posters, linking your files, setting up your paragraph styles, proper printing procedures, archiving, and so on. Now this course is actually a $109 value that you can get for absolutely free when you purchase an Adobe CC subscription through our website because we get a commission off each purchase. So to find out more, just go to our website at lineweights.coffee and click on Adobe. Thank you. So hi everyone, today our guest is an incredible entrepreneur who has worked all kinds of jobs and currently runs his own business fresh out of school. We're joined by Kendrick Henry, who is a Florida native. He received an architectural drafting diploma back in high school and currently holds an associate degree in architecture from Valencia College, a permaculture design certificate, and a master's in architecture degree from the University of South Florida. So currently, Kendrick is the owner and operator of Numa Nursery, a permaculture design firm that specializes in installing gardens, pondscapes, and food forests for commercial and private residences. He's also a beekeeper that builds custom beehives. So you can find everything you want to know about Kendrick on the website numanursery.com. That's N-U-M-A nursery.com. He's also the co-executive director of Yes, We Are Our Brothers Keeper, which is W-R-O-B-K. And the organization's goal is to gain control of bank re-owned real estate properties to provide affordable discounted housing for families in distress. So Kendrick, you know, has worked jobs ranging from hotel staff to owning and operating a collection of vending machines. So he's here on our podcast today to share some of his insights on how to be resourceful and earn money while in architecture school and what you can do today that can improve your monetary situation. So Kendrick, welcome to Lionways Over Coffee. Thanks for having me, Azar. It's uh, great being here today. Thank you. Yeah, Kendrick, I mean, you have such an incredible story, and I really think that the student community needs to hear about, you know, everything that you did in school. And uh, um, I think we should start by saying that you didn't just go straight into architecture school. In fact, you started at an engineering school. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, in 2005, I started my undergraduate at the um, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Daytona Beach. You know, I mean, you were working already off the bat, and so could you just tell us a little bit about the different type of jobs that you had in, uh, at Embry-Riddle? Well, one of the first jobs that I held was uh, working on campus in the library, and it was a fairly simple job. I was just watching videos that were being checked in and out, mostly on flight training and having to deal with uh, piloting an aircraft and uh, making sure that the videos ran smoothly through the duration for students that checked them out for school and for assignments. And it was fairly easy and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Got to meet a lot of really nice people in the uh, library. And um, from there, I, I was able to stay on campus and work and go directly to class. They were very flexible with their schedule. And it was a really nice job for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. So that's a job that you would probably find on, you know, on, on the university website or you'd see a posting somewhere. And, and uh, because it's on campus, obviously, the advantages are you're right there. When class gets over, you could just head over to work. You don't really have to worry too much about transportation and things like that, right? Yeah, it was great. 
So then, like, how, how does that work with the off-campus jobs? Because I know you also did a bunch of off-campus uh, work. At the time, I was uh, um, joined a, in a fraternity and met a network of uh, young business-minded uh, individuals that were uh, not only academically striving, but also strived uh, in career-wise and were doing jobs like some some of the brothers were flight training and uh, another brother be, became a manager at a at a hotel not too far from campus. Mm-hmm. Daytona Beach is known for its um, its tourism, so uh, he had that job, and I was looking for one. And he offered uh, to have me work there, and it was great working under his instruction. He was a captain, and we did banquets and um, ran a restaurant, uh, serving and co-hosting events and parties and weddings. It was really fun. I got to learn a lot about customer service and just how to conduct myself and. Customer service was a really big part of um, owning your own business, so I figured it would all be a great learning experience down the road. Ah, okay. So it's it's, I mean, I guess in the library you'd be interacting with students, but here you're you off campus. You're part of like a hospitality situation, so you're saying, you know, customer service. You're you're, you're coming across people from you know all over the country, all over the world, who are coming to these hotels, and you have to maintain a certain standard. You know, it's a very different environment from. A university environment where the demographic is pretty much you know uniform yeah you had a chance to see what the local demographic was like and the people that were in the neighborhood sometimes staying on campus too much can cause you to live in a bubble and envelop you somewhat mm-hmm. so it was good to get off campus and start working right away when i moved to daytona beach i didn't know the area but became acclimated to it very fast because of the fact that i was working off campus but still close enough to where it was easy to get to class and had enough time in the morning to get ready and then go to work after after about midday. I was spending most of the day at work, but uh, still found time to study and have a fraternity and a little bit of a social life. So it, it worked out really well. So you, you'd organize your classes that way where you try to keep them in the a.m., so to speak, and then in the afternoon you'd, you'd keep that time for work. Is that it? Yep, that's correct. Okay. So if, if you have the flexibility to do that, that's great. I know in you know in engineering school, I guess that's that was more possible. We could shuffle things around a lot more. But uh, in architecture school, at least where I went, it was very structured, and you had to take particular courses, you know, semester through semester. And uh, so that became a little tricky if you were to you know find a job at different times. But I, I guess if it if if you do have the opportunity, then it helps to structure your weeks those that way. You also mentioned Kendrick that you did a lot of banquets and uh, you know weddings, so that would be more on the weekend, right? So that would take up a lot of the the chunk of the weekend. Yeah, that's right. Depending on the load, I mean, you know, the weekends are great then, right? Because you can easily get more than eight hours of work in on the Saturday and Sunday, and you know that's a generous amount of income that you could make. That yeah, way. I work two, three days a week just to fill out for the rest of the week. That way, I could spend most of the time at school, but. Things did change once architecture school came. I knew I had to get more creative and not necessarily devote most of my time to a nine-to-five. I was scrambling for ways to make money outside of school, but how could I spend most of my time at school so that way I was a successful architecture student? Right, yeah, and I think that's like one of the challenges is that you know, as much as you may want to get a job to help uh, offset the cost of school is that you know, a lot of times in our head we're mentally prepared this way to think that, well, if I get a job, it's taking away f- time from school or time from homework or time from studio. I mean, there are ways that they could they could merge together, and we'll talk about that. But 
a lot of times, I guess that is true. You know, if you have to get in your car and drive to work, spend some hours there doing something completely different, you know, your, your mindset changes and then you have to shift it back to school if you're, you know, you drive back to studio or something like that. That's why it's best to try to find something while you're in school, somewhat related to your program mm-hmm. or career. That way, when you get out of school, you have somewhat uh, of an experience and uh, it may take you in a direction you may not have even thought of. So let, let's talk about that. So transitioning then from Embry-Riddle, then you went on to Valencia College, and then after that, University of South Florida. So could you tell us a little bit about the jobs that happened then? Because that's when architecture school started for you. And I don't know about you, but for me, it was a huge, like it, it was just like a wall had hit me. Like I had no idea the amount of work that was required for architecture school. Because in engineering school that I had done before architecture school, it was... I mean, it was very structured, right? I knew the homeworks I needed to do. I knew all the homeworks that were needed for each class right at the beginning of the semester. It's laid out for you in, in engineering. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to architecture school, it's it's a class, but you may work at your own pace and having to build models and design graphics. Some people work faster than others. And mm-hmm. I know for myself, I, I spent a lot of extra time, more so maybe than some other individuals and peers in my classes. So it became somewhat of a struggle when I was working full-time and going to school full-time, starting architecture school. And I said that this isn't working. This, this isn't going to make, make it for me. I'm, I'm going to be too stressed, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to perform to the ability that I know that I can in architecture school. And I wanted to show everyone what I was really capable of. Mm-hmm. That's when my mindset started to change and my entrepreneurial spirit started to um, thrive under the pressure that was happening in architects, we work best under constraints. Mm-hmm. Given that that stressful situation and trying to get out of it and try to survive and stay afloat and somehow make money, I, I, re- I resorted back to my roots. My mom, she was always uh, working from home, whether it was a daycare or doing things to help make money, uh, selling vacuums on the side, so that way she could take care of me from home and even renting out a room in the house you know, to help provide for me while going to school when I was younger. And I just remember those times of those things that she did for us. And I thought somehow I could also take some experiences that I learned while in high school, um, selling candy on the train. I would go to school and I started selling candy on the train. And even eventually, by the time I made it to my senior year of high school, I owned several vending machines. It was unbelievable. Um, And so I just remember that time. And I always wanted to get back to that freedom of being able to check on the machines uh, whenever I needed to, whenever I wanted to, more importantly, not devoted to clocking in or clocking out for someone, but also make some some sort of cash to provide for me some sustenance, mm-hmm. whether it be purchasing products from uh, Sam's Club or wholesale products from BJ's or Costco, and then reselling it to make somewhat of a profit. And uh, that's what I did. Uh, as soon as I moved to uh, USF, uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay area, I was provided um, a nice room for rent uh, from from one of my fraternity brothers. I also had a network of people that were there going to school, physicians and lawyers and doctors. And uh, like I said, my my fraternity is very academic, and and so we all take care of each other uh, like a like a true brotherhood. And when I moved there, I was able to invest some of my financial aid money into some vending machines for the first time in eight years. I was able to st- somehow start something, and I can keep going as far as all the way down four years later, owning 30, 31 vending machines and uh, being able to provide for myself while I was in school, uh, making my own schedule. Mm-hmm. And 
being able to uh, reinvest some of the uh, financial aid money that I was getting back from school that I would some, some, for some reason need for equipment and supplies, which I was able to actually save a lot of money on by just using recycled materials from the studio at school and not having to purchase most of my materials. I would have to make models on a regular basis. Right. And it's uh, quite expensive. Yeah, models uh, can get pretty expensive. It's unbelievable the amount of money you can spend on models and even just graphic paper, uh, pens, uh, just equipment uh, in general is is something that's um, that can be quite burdening for a student that may not have the support system, um, either their parents or a loan of some sort or financial aid. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of those things and I decided to go ahead and take my financial aid and invest it into a small business and start accumulating vending machines, just purchasing them right off of Craigslist. It was a way for me to go back to my roots and what I knew that I could do. It wasn't ideal as far as the, the diet is concerned. I didn't want to um, do it forever, but I knew it was going to get me through school in the time of need. It worked out really great because uh, once I was uh, graduated um, and I had these vending machines, I, I was able to sell them and reinvest into the business that I have now. Amazing. I mean, so there's, there's two points. So first, I'd just like to touch on what you talked about models. I mean, architecture school in general, you know, when you enter a university, I mean, you understand that, you know, there are certain costs, right? You're going to have your tuition. Um, you're going to have to find a place to stay and things like that. And then as part of the degree itself, you're going to have certain, you know, investments that you're going to have to make. And turns out that in architecture school, there are all these little hidden ones that just keep coming up. Right. And I'm not try trying to say this, that, you know, the academic world doesn't like inform you about this properly, but it's definitely something that I don't think many freshmen know when they're when they're coming in, that they need to be prepared to set aside a certain amount of money for these things. Like, for example, you know, uh, depending on the school you're in, as soon as you hit, you know, your second or third year, you're going to need a computer. Right. Correct. A yeah. very good one, fast yeah. one, something that can hold a lot of information, and something that you can put programs on that has a lot of memory and RAM. Right. So it's not just, you know, you're not just doing Word or Excel or something like that. You're doing 3D modeling at a very high level, and you're going to need like some type of gaming computer or something like that. And then there's a the software. So a lot of times software, you'll need the software licenses. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I was actually fortunate enough to have the resources at the University of South Florida. They have a really great uh, laboratory with all of the programs available. And each day it's 24-hour lab. Mm -hmm. And so for, a, for the longest time, a lot of our primary schooling uh, actually was hand-based drawings. And we weren't even allowed to produce drawings and and reproductions of, of graphics using the computer. We spent two years mostly doing things by hand and also making models by hand. Right. That's what really gave us the foundation and uh, the discipline that we needed. But uh, the, all the while, there were students that, that did get computers regularly replaced and upgraded through the years. And uh, I did so as well, do a lot of work at home. But for the most part, for the speed and, and for the ease and the sake of safety and not losing any any documents, mm -hmm. I would actually uh, use the resources that the school provided, which was which was really great. Yeah, most schools will have the labs with the programs already there. For me, it was a, an issue of like plugins. You know, always I'd need these extra plugins on the software to work with. And if you left the computer and you came back you know, a day or two later, you know, you'd have to reinstall everything. And so, it, I mean, it just made more sense to have your own computer, but still like even other costs, like, you know, model making, of course, 
not only the supplies to make the model, but then you need the tools, you know, and then drawing when you're drafting, you need to pay for the paper and things like that. So there's all these material costs that the architecture student generally has to be prepared for. And it does necessitate some creative thinking in how you can either save on, you know, these costs for all these materials, or on the other hand, also, you know, try to get some more income or preferably do both. So you're part, you're someone who has definitely done both in some quite creative ways. And you just mentioned the vending machine business, which I mean, sounds perfect, right? Because you can, I mean, you, you vending machine is, 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 is in a way it's passive. It's sitting there. You don't have to be present to make any type of transaction. You just make sure it's filled and people come and use the machine. And then you go on your time, on your hours to either refill it or collect the money or, you know, whatever. So it seemed like a, it seems like a logical thing to do, but you know, it, it's amazing that you were able to think of that and actually have the opportunity in the area to implement it where it wasn't already, say, for example, saturated with a whole bunch of vending machines already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the route that I purchased online came from a, a local vendor that was actually selling his business. And I told him, I said, throughout the next few years, um, I'll most likely be able to purchase the rest of your machines that he that he already had in location making mm-hmm. money and he was slowly working his way out of the business he was an older gentleman his knees were giving out and he just needed and wanted somebody younger that was responsible to keep up with the locations that he had pretty much built over the past 20 years the clients really loved his service and he had very good product in there tampa is a very uh, industrial town and so they have a lot of really nice resources with these warehouses and depots to pick up these products uh they're private so you have to give them a business license it's not something like costco or sam's Mm -hmm. which for the most part i did shop at those places as well and they have pretty good prices resale capabilities most stores purchase from those places and they had everything that i needed to fill the vending machines up and like you said it was very flexible i was able to fill them up on my own time maybe one or two machines before class a couple machines after class, and maybe not even every single day, but I could even check a few machines on the weekends, some that were open, and even 24 hours a day, there were some machines that I didn't have to go inside and have a passcode or anything or unlock any doors. I could just walk right out there and uh, fill them up at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning if I got out of studio really late one night, mm-hmm. needed to go hit a vending machine run, so that way I had lunch money for the next day. It was something that was really important, and it actually gave me a few dollars to spend on paper and products and glue and the little things were really important and the most expensive. But if you can get by by <clears throat> finding the uh, wood shop in your local area, mm-hmm. make friends with the wood shop uh, keeper, maybe a small ace or even what we have in Tampa called Craftsman. AOE is another store. Uh, these are like uh, Craftsman and um, drawing uh, arts and craft stores that are that may be in your area close to university and so making friends with them getting the deals also regularly checking in with uh, the elder um, elders of the school so like the thesis students of say when I was in my first or second year I would always be hitting up the older older people in the school and seeing if they had anything that they weren't going to be using, they'd be graduating next semester. They're always just willing to throw you a special or a deal on the materials. And you can get a whole handful of things for just a few dollars. That's a great tip. Yeah. So that was a really good way to save on cost of materials and also just hanging out by the wood shop a lot. I'd be hanging out and talking with the people that work there. 
also there were students that had jobs working in the work uh, in the wood shop so they could not only get paid work and do work on their schoolwork uh, while in the wood shop but just watch over us and make sure we were doing everything safe and sometimes there'd be extra materials just laying around hey you're going to use this you know you mind if i grab this and sure enough i was able to pretty much build most of my models off of free materials uh, throughout the four years that i was at usf which was the major model making process yeah no that's amazing it's amazing that i mean there is of course scrap out there and there's no reason why it should end up in the trash and not be used in a productive way but you brought up a good point is that if you can find a job on campus that it has is directly related to your degree i mean that is extremely lucky like as you mentioned like working in the wood shop not only could you work on your own models right but you're getting paid at the same time to supervise other students and you don't have to leave to go work on something that's unrelated to architecture or another job somewhere else and you know yeah granted that job may pay you more but here you're getting you know money for double time right time that you're working and time that you'd be at studio so that's uh, that's incredible so Kendrick you mentioned the vending machine business there were other avenues that you went through to get some more income well i was looking for a place to live and uh, i knew that managing a property was something that i wanted to do after school and how could i get experience working with business owners and also homeowners to somehow become a renter one day, uh, having m- maybe multiple properties and, and dealing with renters. And I knew that I needed that experience. So I went on Craigslist and I looked for a property possibly to rent a house, something off campus. And uh, my prospects came to a, a property in need of a little bit of TLC. Mm-hmm. And uh, it had just been redone on the outside, but it needed some help on the inside. And it was a, a fairly small space, but the living room uh, actually was capable of turning into a, an extra bedroom to make it a three-bedroom house. And the rent was fairly fairly reasonable for the area. It was uh, a few miles away from campus, but also centrally located for my vending machine business. So it was something that I could still work off campus, be close to the vending machines, and live downtown in the middle of things. And I talked with the owner and I asked him if it would be okay if I built an extra bedroom in the living room so the way I could have an extra renter in the house. And by doing so, I was actually able to charge rent for those two extra bedrooms and live in one of the third bedrooms that I built. And by doing so, I was able to actually live most of the time while in Masters of Architecture at USF for free without having to pay. That's amazing. So you're saying that you were in this house, you proposed to the owner that, hey, you have this living room space. Now you're you're already behaving like an architect, right? You're in this space, you're like, hey, here's an opportunity. Why don't I just put up and some extra walls and make sure, you know, it's the code and everything, but it becomes officially another room. Now we can rent this space out as a room and use the income to offset your own rent, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's correct. That's <laughs> that's amazing. And mm-hmm. not only that, you also kind of managed the property itself, right? Yeah. And uh, that's when I started my nursery. I started planting things around the yard, uh, seeds that I ate. I was interested in generating some income on the side, maybe possibly starting a business after school, maybe one day being able to sell the vending machines and reinvest it into something that I was more interested in along the lines of my interests. And I know that architects generally link up and, and handle with the landscapers and the landscape architect and if one day I wanted my own firm, I'm going to need to know how these things work around a property, mm-hmm. how to landscape and how to create an appealing space, mm-hmm. not only for the building and the structure, but also for around and the grounds on any kind of property. I mean, 
I would be dealing with clients that would be interested in something very appealing, possibly even a food forest. And that's when I came across permaculture and I started planting things in the garden. And uh, even after I moved out of that house, I was still managing the property, renting it out, making a few hundred dollars a month while uh, taking care of the grounds, which I was harvesting clippings and growing things from seed and still able to have control over the things that I wanted to. So that way, when I graduated, I could take some of those things that I had been growing for those two, three years and transport them and take them to different places and, and use the seeds to start my nursery business. That's amazing that you would uh, find an opportunity in a house that you're renting to be able to say, hey, here's a yard. What can we do with the yard? I know I want to learn more about landscape architecture. Why don't I just take it upon myself to figure out what plants grow very well or what doesn't grow very well and just experiment, right? Is, is, so you just started, you know, just planting things around. And, and uh, you mentioned once about something about avocados. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean... So I would eat a lot of avocados, uh, transitioning to a plant-based diet over the years. I noticed that my clarity levels increased, and I wanted to become the best architect that I could, and I know what I get out, what I put in, just mm -hmm. like a car. Yeah, of course. So I started eating a lot better, and avocados was top of the list, uh, making sandwiches with that, and they had these lovely seeds. Not only could I blend up in a, to make a smoothie or a shake or even make a shampoo out of so I didn't have to go buy shampoo, but... I was also planting them in pots. I was, I found, um, I was, I was painting my van one day at the beach, and a guy uh -huh. walked by, saw that I had painted a nursery, a Numa nursery, on the van, and he said, "Hey, do you have a nursery?" I said, "Well, you know, it's just an idea that I have. One day, I would like to uh, start up a nursery." And he said, "Well, I have one. I'd like for you to come <laughs> by and check it out." That's incredible. And, you know, the universe works in in mysterious ways, so. For some reason, I said, you know, this is a sign. Let me go check this guy out. And before you know it, I left that first visit with a job. That's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, I hadn't even really tried or applied. And he said, you know, you can come out anytime you'd like, pick up a few hours. He was a young guy about my age. And he had this business and he needed some help. And he would love to hang out and teach me all the ins and outs of running a nursery, which I was very interested in learning at the time. Mm -hmm. Because I, I knew that was the direction that I wanted to go in because... If one point I was building a house for a client and they needed plants for their house or their yard, what better way to be intrinsically involved in the project but also owning the company that provides the plants. So how to insource these, these extra skills and things like that that people would be hiring outside but keeping it in the firm, a complete design, build, landscape design, um, productive firm. So Yeah, it's quite um, a holistic approach. So I started working and, and, and uh, I, was, I started learning a lot and he had a little bit of extra space that I could literally just plant, uh, put these avocado trees that I was just potting in pots. And uh, when I accumulated a couple hundred avocado trees over the course of a year or so that they, they got to be like six feet tall, I put them on Craigslist and someone bought all of them. It was amazing. <laughs> so, so there's two interesting things here. One is you did not actually have a nursery, but you went ahead and started painting your van with a name that you had already come up with, Numa Nursery. So you were already doing this, even though it didn't really exist. In the back of your mind, it was like, okay, this this is happening. I'm painting my van. I'm calling it Numa Nursery. And lo and behold, someone actually comes up and asks you if you're interested. It's unbelievable. It's, <laughs> it's, it's how you have to really, it's all about the idea first. That's really, amazing. Before you 
It starts with um, the creation of it in your mind, and that's exactly what we do every day in architecture school is creating these these spaces. And I was just literally creating a space and cultivating an incubation period while I was in school to make sure that the day that I graduated, I had something that was taking off and people knew me for something. So that way I didn't necessarily have to fall back on just getting a, uh, an internship or finding an architecture um, firm that may hire me or not, maybe mm-hmm. right away or down the road. But how can I use my skills that I was learning in school? Also, the job that I carried throughout those years, customer service, and utilize them for myself. And that was the key. And uh, I learned a lot during that time, selling those avocado trees and growing them to the point where once I graduated, I actually met someone that needed, uh, that wanted a garden planted in their yard. And I told them, well, I happen to have a lot of plants that are in pots that need to be placed Mm -hmm. and put in the yard. And we formulated a relationship right then and there um, at the permaculture school that I was attending, uh, Grow Permaculture with Kareen Brennan in uh, Tampa, Florida. It was an amazing school and opportunity. And it started uh, me in the direction that I'm in now as a permaculture designer and teacher with my school at Newman Nursery. That's, that's amazing. So uh, just before I get on to that point is that uh, I just find this fascinating. So you're sitting there and you have an avocado in your hand and you're cutting it up. And you split it open, and, and normally most people would take that seed, like me, and just you know put it in the trash or the compost or something. But you're thinking, I paid money for this avocado. I can get some of that money back by doing something to the seed that it will just do on its own. All I have to do is water it, right? That's right. That's yeah, <laughs> give it some love and give it a space to grow. And then the opportunity for someone to see the care that you've put into it, it's really an amazing thing. Getting back to nature. That's, just seeing signs and let mama work for you. That's incredible. And so, you know, just being able to see these opportunities, I think, I think it's just, uh, it's just fascinating because, you know, a lot of us, including myself, are in this mindset. You know that oh, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get my portfolio together. I'm going to send out the cover letters and this and this and that. But you were thinking in a very different direction, not only career-wise, but also just generally in school and you know, optimizing different areas of your life, whether it's I'm eating avocados because it's a healthy fat, it's going to help me think better to perform better at school. At the same time, this avocado is going to provide me income, you know, and I mean, it's so many different levels that all this, these, these elements are operating at. It's so interesting. And then also what you mentioned about, you know, using your time in school, which is very, very precious, right? Because you have so many things to do, but you're, you're saying you're using that time not only to focus on school, but also to invest in yourself, like you went into the permaculture program to get a certification. And, you know, you did it just in a way that you were interested in it. And yes, of course, there are links to architecture, but you knew that by putting that self-investment there that you would open up options for yourself and you wouldn't be necessarily, you know, restricted in a certain way to apply a certain way to a certain type of job, but you could open up possibilities for yourself. Yeah, it's, it's just like joining an organization on campus. What kind of business opportunities could you uh, extend to yourself uh, in the local community? Uh, just by reaching out and starting this permaculture program, uh, I met someone that was in the program, not only the one that I was talking about earlier, but another uh, woman that was building a house. And she knew that I was an architecture student. And she said, well, when you graduate, I'd like you to help me build my house. 
And she knew that I had the skills because of the permaculture school dealing with plants and nature that somehow she would like to hire me as a contractor um, and help me launch my not only architecture career, but then showcase my permaculture design skills uh, so that way I can move in the direction that was suitable for my interests. So you're in school and you're going to get this certificate as well and you meet someone who's basically offering you a commission while you're still in school, right? Yep. That's and uh, incredible. it was, it was uh, an incredible offer and I didn't know how to accept. I was, I was very nervous. I know that in-school theory is much different than real-world technology and also uh, handling of people, contracts, and not only code and the requirements for different counties and cities. And it was very overwhelming that I, I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to take on this job. But if I was to partner up with a friend of mine from school, someone that was a little bit more experienced, even that worked as an engineer, maybe we could handle this together because he was already working in, a, in an architecture firm at the time for several years. Mm-hmm. He has a family and he's been providing for himself. He's been out of uh, engineering school for 10 years and he decided to go back to school a few years ago. And, you know, I, I, I became really good friends with him while in school and I reached out to him after school and I said, hey, I have this opportunity to build a house. Uh, would you be interested in, in taking me under your wing and essentially uh, teaching me how to do this? Right. And he said, uh, absolutely, it sounds fun. So um, the first year out of architecture school, we teamed up, started a, uh, a consulting firm, and uh, essentially became the project managers to our client now uh, that wants to build a house, wanted to build a house, and permaculture, uh, permaculture food forest on the property. She bought four acres in Brooksville. And so we started working together and organizing contractors and architects and engineers and got floor plans together. And I had my, my drafting experience and architecture experience. We made her 3D models and I was able to give her renderings and show her what her house would look like. And it was something of a, uh, it was really special experience, first time out, out of school. And um, it gave me the, the knowledge and practicality of what an architect does to know that um, it's something that is really interest and interesting and along the lines that I, I love doing, but I love plants more. And it's okay if you go through architecture school and it's not necessarily something that you may um, find at the end of the road um, exactly what it, what it was in mind when you first started. But as long as you can take the skills that you learned while you're in school to be able to apply it to the real world, you've succeeded. Uh, yeah. Whether it's being a photographer or someone that's in the design business as a as a graphic designer, a marketer, and advertising, even insurance. <laughs> I mean, it can be applied in any way, yeah. in all ways, shapes, or form. Architecture is a uh, is a way of thinking. It's a and it's also a way of to solve problems, um, monetarily, financially, uh, emotionally. It's a how to approach life in general. So. Uh, it was really great, and it was really fun to see that and do that first right out out of school, and then also be confident in the direction that I was going, that I could work with architects and engineers. And it was a really fun thing to do, and I really love doing that. And I love, I'd love it even more when they take care of it, and I can take care of things that I'm more interested in. So mm-hmm. seeing all aspects and sides of the field is really important while you're in architecture school, and just get out there, join Join uh, local nonprofits, community gardens, and places with people that are actually in the community of your local 
area, and uh, you'll be surprised who you find that's interested in what you're doing as a student architect, because uh, we we are very well respected out there, and when they hear that you're an architecture student, they want to know more. They're curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point is that you know when you're in architecture school, you're acquiring skills that are just I mean they're they're so diverse and. Your degree is a very, very versatile degree that can be applied in so many different types of fields, not just the architecture industry. It, it's it's just a matter of going out there and finding the opportunities. And that's why I think it's so important to have you, Kendrick, on talking about this because that's exactly what you've done is that you have had a certain set of skills that you've honed in architecture school. And it's through experience that you realize what part of architecture you're more interested in than others and that you're able to just devote all your energy to that. And so I guess, uh, like, um, you know, if we had to get a message out there to the students, you know, my take on it would be that there are opportunities everywhere, you know, whether they're in school, whether they're in your hand while you're eating something, while you're, you know, they're in organizations out just outside of campus, in your local community. It's just a matter of, you know, just getting out there and just having the mindset that, you know, I'm going to find an opportunity or it's going to come to me. You're going to draw it towards yourself somehow. And, you know, you're just going to make it work. I mean, Kendrick is a living example of that. Could you talk a little bit more about how the opportunities like have worked in your life in a way? Well, um, manifesting them through uh, cosmic alignments, uh, taking advantage of these uh ancient practices of following the moon and the sun and the stars, similar to how farmers would plant their fields depending on the moon cycles. I started getting into uh, manifesting during certain times of the month and seasons. And by doing so, I could start to see how things would unfold right in front of my eyes, the way that I would imagine them. And much like a seed Mm -hmm. would then fruit uh, in a matter of a few weeks to a few days to getting a call that I needed to, to have or hear or just being reassured that I was moving in the right direction. And um, you have to listen to those signs and, and always do what you love because that's more important than anything else. When you wake up in the morning and you're happy with what you're doing, then no matter um, if you're not practicing architecture at the end of the day, as long as you're happy and you're doing something that you feel is uh, changing the world for the better somehow, some way, building a business, you know, advertising, safe practices, recycled materials, all has to do with architecture. People ask me all the time, you know, what does your business have to do with architecture? Well, I like to say that I'm building a community of conscious people, of growers, food people that grow their own food and are able to provide for themselves sustainably without using pesticides or herbicides. These are all important factors in creating a strong network of architects, doctors, lawyers, so that way everyone's safe and healthy, and that way we can incorporate those things within the urban context, how we can bring gardens into the community, downtown urban cores, and, and create lush green greenscapes for people that are necess- that are having to go downtown to work, and how can they escape in the middle of the day in these spaces, these pocket parks, so to speak, which is what I'm actually just getting involved with uh, downtown, several uh, community garden activities, and how we're reshaping the downtown core, uh, all because of the things that I learned while going to architecture school. 
that's that's incredible, Kenry. That's a that's a huge contribution, and that's a, I think that's a really excellent answer for anyone that asks you, you know, how what has this got anything to do with architecture? So, Kendrick, thank you uh, so much for taking time to join us today, and I really hope that we can get to talk again about other topics. All right, guys, that's the end of our episode. If you want to find out more, of course, you can go to numanursery.com. And they also have a Facebook page and an Instagram page as well. You can have the links to that on the show notes at our website, lineweights.coffee. Now, a lot of you may be thinking after listening to this episode that there is no way you can do all this. You know, it's not like you have access to a house or you can build rooms in there or whatever the situation may be. But I think that's the point. The point is not to do exactly what Kendrick did, but rather use his strategies of looking around you and thinking about things in a different way from, you know, for Kendrick, it was what he put in his mouth and just his general interests. And he found a way to make that into a career and something that he loves to do. And another important part is to get out into your local community. So think about those things that really interest you, that excite you. What are those topics? And I'm sure there are people in your town that do the same thing. And you'll not only meet new people and meet different demographics, but also you'll learn more. You know, your sphere of learning will increase. Uh, The more people you meet, the more ideas you come across. And it's how Kendrick met different people and even got a commission out of it. So I hope you guys will be able to take these strategies and not only save a bunch of money while you're in architecture school, but also come up with new ways of generating income. I'm really excited about our next episode, episode 7, with Francesco Cingolani, who is the director of the Design by Data program here in Paris. It's a one-year master's program. It's really exciting. It's quite unique. And we're going to be talking all about that next week in episode 7. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye.